pray together. Oh, merciful Father, we thank you for the truths that we've sang already this morning, that your name does ring out across the land, that you are seeing your nations brought home, that your message is being proclaimed to the world, and that all peoples everywhere will hear the great name of Jesus Christ for salvation. This morning, as we look to a text that specifically talks about that, I pray that you would guide us in this truth, stir our hearts to remind us of the beauty, the great name of Jesus Christ, and give us hearts that desire to see that name taken to the world. Lord, we ask that you would be with us now, in Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the letter of 3 John, verses 5 through 8. So if you have a Bible, if you'd like to join me in the third letter of John, which is right before Jude. We're not talking about the gospel. If you're anything like me, you can get distracted by that. So many Johns in your New Testament. But we're going to the last one, Third John. We're going to look at verses 5 through 8. It's not a long letter, but it has one of, I think, the clearest texts about going and sending missions into the, the world. And we're going to look at that today. Specifically, those are verses 5 through 8. But as we get there, let us start just by looking at how the letter opens. As, as we read the first four verses, we will see that this truly was a letter as John the Apostle is writing to a man named Gaius. Let's read it together. So verse, verses 1 through 4 say this, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I Rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So John is writing to Gaius, and he is writing because it sounds like he has heard from uh, some men that have been with him, and they've come back. We'll see that in verses 5 through 8 as well. It would seem that, that John is writing this letter to his beloved friend Gaius to say, this, there's some things that have been done that you've done that I, that I, I heard and I want to thank you for and I want to encourage you to do more. So my goal today as we look at these verses is to give you a reminder of the glory of the name of Jesus Christ and how we can send that powerful name into the world through supporting missionaries in God's mission for the church. So let's look together in verses uh, 5 through 8. I'll read them to you first and then we'll look at them individually. Verse 5, Beloved, Again, still speaking to Gaius. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So, in, in the beginning of verse 5, we see that um, Guy, we're seeing what he's already done, what Gaius has already done. John's writing back to him, saying, it is a faithful thing you do in all of your efforts for these brothers. And we see that it says that who, these brothers who testified to your love before the church. So it would seem that some strangers came to his church, and they were not known by Gaius, but they were followers of Christ 
and, and they, they were with him. And Gaius took care of, of these brothers. We don't know how many. I'm assuming at least two. But we also see that, that they weren't known and, and they weren't there long enough to be known. Do you notice that there at the end of verse 5 where it says strangers as they are? So they're still strangers. They weren't friends before. They, they weren't super close after. But what knit them together was Christ and Gaius' love for these brothers and taking care of them. So, so we don't know what that was either. Um, we're thinking probably something like hospitality, feeding. Obviously, there's no you know, Motel 6 out there at this time, so they needed a place to stay that was safe. Um, not, things that we might take for granted now were, were not things that we could take for granted back then. And, and so I think Gaius is providing for these brothers their, their physical needs uh, because of his love for, for them. It says that he made efforts to care for them, uh, faithful efforts, we would say. And so what, what, is, what does it mean to, to be faithful? So the definition would be reliable or loyal or a firm adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. So it's this idea of being faithful and, and being loyal and a reliable person, and we would say for the sake of the name of Christ. We'll talk more about duty later in the text, but I think we get this idea that he, he made efforts for these brothers who were strangers that were coming through their church and he was making every effort to care for them faithfully. He was being faithful. And we see in verse 6 that that faith was wrapped in love. We see in verse 6 where it says, who testified, these brothers testified to your love before the church. So we're assuming that the church that these brothers testified to was probably the church that John was at. So he heard this retelling, this re- recanting or re- re- retelling of the story of what, what these brothers experienced as they went out. And that's the greatest commandment, isn't it? Love, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 13, or you could think of the Apostle Peter in his second letter. He writes of, of all of these attributes that culminate in this idea of love. Love is, is what marks us as believers. It, a love for the, the brothers is something that John spent extensive time on in the first letter of John that he wrote, talking about it's one of the marks of all believers is that we love and care for each other, care for the world generally, but specifically to believers. And, and I think it's also, it's the reason why the letter was written. We see that these men came and testified to how great of a job he, Gaius did in caring for them. And John says, I have to write this brother a letter and encourage him and thank him and praise him. And then we get the privilege of hearing the letter and seeing what does it look like to serve and care for fellow believers in Christ. We also notice here that um, in verse 6, the second half of verse 6, we notice that the tenses change. Maybe you noticed that in verse 5, in the beginning of 6, we we were seeing what Gaius had done. And now in the second half of verse 6, we we see what what we want him to keep doing or to, to do more of. It says there, you will do well, future tense, to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. So we're seeing that it's gone from, from John saying, thank you, and we're so blessed to see what you have done for these brothers, but now continue on. And when you have more brothers come, and when you have more people come through your church, care for them well. Not just well, but also for the sake, for, for the, uh, the, the, for, in a manner worthy of God. So I, I see about three things in here that I think he's 
John is pointing to us as the important task of, of sending and caring for missionaries. The first is he says, you will do well, so do it well. Do a good job of it. Do it beautifully. Some commentators said that that, that gets that, that flavor, is this idea of do a beautiful job. We see do it in a manner worthy of God, which is something we'll look at more, but that's, a, that's kind of a scary statement to think about doing something in a manner worthy of God. And we also see in verse 7 that they went out for the sake of the name. So these three areas that we're seeing that, that John is encouraging them is to do it well, do it in a manner worthy of God because they're going out for the sake of the name. And I would also maybe add a fourth that is not included in these verses, but if you were to keep reading in verse 9 of the, this letter, um, and again, I'm going to just perpetually butcher all names. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes is how I'm going to go with that, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, but also, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to, put, who want to and puts them out of the church. So we're seeing this fourth idea of not only is, is John wanting to encourage it to be done well, but he's also maybe saying, don't listen to this church leader who is telling you not to do it because that is wrong. And so again, we see the reason for his letter is, is to, to encourage Gaius to continue to do the right things and to, and to put off uh, these, these wicked ideas that are coming from other believers, even within what it would seem Gaius' church. We also see that this idea of sending them in a manner worthy of God. Well, what's interesting is, is if you're not paying close attention to the New Testament, you don't realize that this has already been happening. So there are just a couple of, of verses that show us that the, the model that the, the first century church used for missions is this idea of receiving and sending missionaries out. Look with me at Romans 15, verse 24. So this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he's talking about, after he's written just mountains of theological truth, he he gets to the more practical. And look at verse 24 of chapter 15. It says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So in Paul's mind, part of this missionary endeavor is, I'm coming to you church in Rome that I would be encouraged and cared for so that I can continue on into Spain. Another example also from Paul, just keep turning over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you'd like to see that one, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 says in verse 6, I'll start in verse 5. Again, Paul speaking now to the church in Corinth. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia for I intend to pass through Macedonia. Verse 6 says, And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. So again, Paul is writing to another church saying, I'm planning on coming through and and my hope is to maybe even spend a whole season with you and be encouraged and helped on my journey. Let me give you one more. Titus chapter 3. Lest you think it was just... Paul that was receiving all of this 
special treatment. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Do your best to speed Zeneas, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. So again, we have another example. Paul is still writing, but now he's writing on behalf of other people being sent out onto the mission field. He's saying, when they come to you, receive them and see that they lack nothing and send them on their way. So there's already a history in the early church of this, this model being done. And it's really important, I think, that what's, what's so unique about the way the Holy Spirit has captured the, the New Testament is that it's very general. It's not specific. We don't see specifically how any of these churches or what Gaius did in 3 John to care for these missionaries, which means that means and modes change. Technology changes. Life changes. Everything changes. But, but it's the call that stays the same. The call to care for and send out those who go out for the sake of the name is what causes us and stirs us up to find creative ways to care for the sending of those who will go out for the sake of the name. And like we said before in verse, verse, chapter six, or verse 6 of 3 John, is that we're sending in a manner worthy of God. So the question we ask ourselves is, is God himself going to be okay with how we care for missionaries? How well are we supporting the direct ambassadors for God? And so you might be thinking that this seems like special treatment, or you might be thinking, why, why is this so important? Why, why, why dedicate a whole Sunday to something like this? And I think it's okay to ask that question, because I think it follows John's logic, because that's where he's going as he's, he's encouraging Gaius to continue to care for these missionaries. He says, well, why? Why, why would you want to keep doing this, Gaius? I mean, you, you received some strangers, you took good care of them. Now you've got opposition in your current church, to continuing to do it, so why, why, should I, why should I keep doing it? And it's what, what John says in verse 7, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. They're going out for the name of Jesus Christ. This also gives us more understanding of who these men were that came through this church. They weren't lost uh, merchants, but they would seem to be those who made a committed effort to take the name of Jesus Christ to the nations, to the world. And they came out, and as they were on their way, they they made a pit stop at a church, and they cared for these people. And the reason was because they cared for the name. So so what's in a name? I want to give you just two texts, because there are many, but maybe just two that, that I want to remind us as to why John and we should make such a big deal about the name. Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The message of the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ is why missions is so important. The reason why John picked up his pen and his apostle to write to this this man who just cared for a few strangers coming through his town and to encourage him to continue in the face of opposition is because the name of Jesus Christ is worth it. There are billions of Hindus, millions of Muslims in the world that have never heard 
the name of Jesus Christ. But the problem is, that's not good enough. Because I don't care how good of a Hindu you are, that's not the name given. The name of Jesus Christ is everything. It's what makes us, us. That's why we're here this morning, is the name of Jesus Christ. And going on, I think one other text that I just, hopefully you were thinking of it, is is Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, in verse, I'm going to start in verse 9. It says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, there it is. That Jesus Christ has been given the name above every name. It's the only name given amongst men by which we may be saved. And that name is the name that every knee will bow under when, when, when history ends. Believer, unbeliever, follower, rebel, it won't matter. The name of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed and every knee will bow. And our desire is that more knees of more nations would be bowing willingly. It's what we want. We want the nations to hear that there's a name. There's a name. There's a Savior that has come and done work to save all who would put their trust in him. And these are just two verses. There are countless others that we could look at in the New Testament. But I think it explains why missions exist. And I'm going to quote John Piper. You've, you've, you've probably heard it. Uh, it's just a really great quote. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. So the, the purpose of missions, the purpose of sending and caring for missionaries well, is not anything other than the fact that there are people that are called to worship the name of Jesus Christ, to the praise of God the Father, And the reason we have missions is because not everybody knows it. Not all people groups are represented. We're not there yet. John knew it then, we know it now. At the end of time in Revelation, it will say that we will be worshiping the Lamb in the throne room with one voice, many tribes, tongues, and nations. And everyone will be singing in their own tongue, in their own way, to God the Father, praises forevermore. We sang this morning, oh, for a thousand times. Then we'd have a thousand, thousands and thousands of people groups would be singing praises to the name. So we give our lives to Christ. It's our spiritual service of worship. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And that looks like giving God all the glory we can in all the ways we can. And one of the major ways we do that is to desire to see the nations brought to the throne room of Christ. And these men whom Gaius cared for were out on the mission field telling the world about Christ. And so when they go, we do well to send. They go, we send. Also, John gives another reason back in 3 John, verse 7, the second half, he says, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. 
This tells us more about the Bible's view of how we, we should fund and, and see the work of, of the missions go. Romans 6.23 says that the, the gift of Jesus Christ, etern- the gift of eternal life, is a free gift from God. So these men whom Gaius was caring for were not charging ticket admissions for these unbelievers to hear the message of the gospel. Right? We, don't, we don't pay for that privilege. We send. And we send it freely because the gift is so great. But God says it's a free gift for those who would believe. I'm also thinking of, you don't have to turn there, but I will read it to you. Romans chapter 10, this great text on missions as well. Verses 14 and 15 say, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or going? And how are, we to, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So John's saying, John is saying, Paul is saying, the New Testament is saying that they need to go. And we need to send them. We get the honor of sending. It is our joy. It is our duty. It is our Christ who is being proclaimed. How can we not get up and get them out the door? Which maybe to your American ears sounds confusing and it's like, what are we talking about here? Like how, how, like how does it all work? What, what, what does it mean to not accepting from the Gentiles? Were some people accepting things from the Gentiles? What does it mean to accept from the Gentiles? Don't miss John's message. These men went out for the only name worth going out for, and they aren't taking anything from the unbelieving, but they are taking the riches of the word of God to them. The unbelieving are hearing and receiving. They're not purchasing and buying. We are sending. And that brings us crashing into verse 8. It says, therefore, verse 8, therefore, we ought to support people like these. So, like these would be those who are sent out for the name. We're not talking about just randomly supporting whatever. We're talking about people who have said, I want to go because I care about the name of Jesus Christ being proclaimed to the nations. That's who we're talking about. And he says in verse 8 that we ought to support people like this. Now, you hear the word ought, I think vegetables. Like, I ought to eat more vegetables. Or, I ought to call my grandma on her birthday. I think that's how we use it today. But the definition of ought is actually to be held or bound in duty or moral obligation, i.e., it's a command. Why is John making a command? Why is he coming so strong to say, I am telling you, I'm commanding you that we ought. I'm telling you we must support people that go out for the sake of the name. Why? Well, first, he was there during the Great, the Great Commission. And he knows that Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has said. All nations, all places. We know from, from Acts chapter 1 that it would start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, and then go to the world. John was there. John heard it straight from Jesus. And second, he's hearing that some men in this church are distorting the command and telling people not to do it. These men are saying, if you accept in these missionaries, I'm going to kick you out of this church. John's saying, no, no, no. 
We cannot do that. And he's also showing us that, that the missions enterprise is a robust enterprise. There's a place for all of us. Notice what John doesn't say. He doesn't tell Gaius to, to go. He doesn't tell that church that he's writing to, to to dissolve and everybody go. We're not necessarily being told this morning to go. What he's telling us to do is to send. So John links the sending and the going of missionaries in the second half of the verse. Look at that. He says, the second half of verse 8, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. It's a command that brings us into the work. We get to be fellow workers for Christ on the mission field from where we are. So if you're here thinking today, I really want to be more involved in missions, but I, I, I can't pick up and go right now. Well, the missions enterprise has a place for you, a vital place to send. John doesn't see senders as second-class Christians. He sees them as a partnership. John is helping us to better understand the Great Commission. There will be some who go and some who send, but all are working together for the truth. And one, one caveat here, because I care deeply about your theology. Don't exchange the words missions and evangelism. The idea is that I don't want you to think that, well, okay, so maybe we just can throw more money at it, and that will do it. So this weekend's a great example. If I threw some money at CEF, boom, kids are being evangelized, I'm off the hook. Or missions, I'm going to find a great missionary to support, I'm going to send them some money, boom, I'm off the hook. But remember, we are evangelists first, all of us. The difference between missions and evangelism is that a missionary goes to a new culture and plants themselves in that culture, gets to know and understand their culture so that they can be more effective at evangelism. We just get to start at step three. We already know the culture. We already know all that stuff. We just got to open our mouths. So don't think that what we're saying here is, well, now I'm going to be a sender, and I don't have to worry about it. And I say that because our view of the name of Jesus Christ too often is too small, if I can be honest with you. And I'm just speaking for myself, but hopefully I'm not that much of an anomaly. But how how much do we care about the name of Jesus? Do I care enough to open my mouth to my unbelieving relative? Do I care? Or am I more concerned about my image than the name of Jesus Christ? Is Is it, to talk about 3 John, is it just random people's out there, and I care, but not that much. Like, I, I care once in a while. Well, once every six months when one of these missionaries comes through, I get, I get excited about it. So I think we need a bigger view of God and the powerfulness of his name. Together uh, with the youth, we've been st- we started looking at the book of Romans. And two weeks ago, we looked at Romans 116 that says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So there's only one name, only one message that comes with the power of God. And it's the name of Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel message of what Christ has done for you 
and me and literally the world. And we need to see that. And we need to understand the power. There's only one name, and there's only one message. One, one. Nothing else is going to cut it. Nothing else cuts it on the mission field. I don't care how good your mercy mission is. I don't care how good and how much physical need that you are giving to the peoples. I believe in that. And I believe missionaries do well to care for the, the means of the people. But if we don't bring them the one message and the one name, none of it matters. And so I'm all eat up with this because I've been dealing with it for a week. Because pastor asked me to preach about missions, and I realized my wood was wet. I do not have a big enough view of Christ and his name and the importance of his name going to the nation. So you are all listening to myself talk to myself. So hopefully you're encouraged by it because I, I've just found that, that this is just an area of my life that I've been lacking. And supporting and sending missionaries is about the message of the gospel. So we have to ask, do we believe that the power of God is for salvation in the name of Jesus Christ? Do we believe that Christ is the only name given? Because I believe, as I believe most of you do, is that the the message of the cross is the only thing that matters. And what I mean by that is that the message of the cross makes everything matter. By faith in Christ, it gives meaning to our parenting, to our marriages, to our work, to eating and drinking, to, to being part of a church community, and to missions. If we know the name of Christ and we have faith in Christ, everything else matters. So again... I, I said this before, but I want to say it again. I don't want you sitting here thinking, this is just one more thing you feel guilty about, Brett. This is just one other area where you're going to get me excited today, and I'm going to peter out in a couple weeks like I have and everything else. Well, let me read you a quote that I found help from, helpful from William Carey, who most would call the founder of modern missions. He, he went to India in the seven, late 1700s, early 1800s to, to evangelize the, the, the Indians in India. And he says this, When I left England... My hope of India's conversion was very strong, but amongst many obstacles, it would die unless upheld by God. Well, I have God, and his word is true. Though the superstitions of the Indian were a thousand times stronger than they were, and the examples of the Europeans a thousand times worse, though I were deserted by all and persecuted by all, yet my faith, fixed on the sure word, would rise above all obstructions and overcome every trial. God's cause will triumph. Remember, Jesus said he will build his church, Matthew 16, 18. So we don't carry this burden ourselves. But instead, we we press into Christ by the grace that he supplies, that we have a greater desire to see his name proclaimed to the nations. So if you're not there yet, like I wasn't there yet, like on Tuesday, you know, ask for it. God answers prayers, and he will give you the grace that you need to have that fire in your heart kindled for his great name. And once that fire is going, you can't help but put it everywhere. Your life becomes on fire for Christ in every way, including missions. So if you have this fire in your heart for Christ and his great name, all of a sudden evangelism doesn't become a duty, but a passion. And reading the word doesn't become a duty, but a passion. And then all of a sudden you have passions for people groups you've never met because Christ can stir that in you. He can do that by his grace. And he does do that. He's done it for many in this body over the years. 
We truly stand on the shoulders of giants at Morningside because we've had so many here that have cared so greatly for missions for so long. We were talking to the Starks this morning, and it'll be ne- essentially next year, it'll be about 20 years. I've been coming to this church since 2006. I've never known a time where we didn't support the Starks in their mission. That's wild. But we, we know that here. And, and I think we're being reminded of the great name of Christ this morning. But I'll also say this. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've never been on fire for Christ or, or you're wondering what are we even talking about here, it could be because you've never put your trust in Christ to begin with. Again, there is only one name under heaven by which men are to be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And if you are here this morning and, and you are feeling like the Spirit of God is telling you that you've never put your trust in Christ or you don't, you don't see how what is happening in the world matters to this great name, admit first that we are all sinners, that we all fall short of God's glory. The Word says that for the wages of sin is death. We are sinners by not caring about the great name of Christ. And if you were here this morning, you never put your trust in Christ, that sin is the, the, the only payment for that sin is death. But Christ says that the free gift of salvation comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, if, if you've never put your trust in Christ alone for salvation, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And finally, the practical level, just, just get informed. If you give to Morningside Baptist, you're actually already supporting missions. By my calculations, 30% of our yearly budget goes to the mission field. We have missionaries that we support. So, so that's an easy way, maybe a way that you're already doing and you didn't even know it. But there are many other ways that you can look to support missionaries. And I would say the number one way is pray. This isn't an afterthought, but think of it like an exclamation point at the end. Prayer accomplishes the will of God. God moves and acts through the prayers of his people. So pray for those that are sent. Pray for our missionaries and any others you can find. There's so many ways that you can find to pray for specific missions, missionaries, specific people groups. But we know that prayer is the effectual means of grace that God is pleased to answer. And when you look up texts in the New Testament about prayer, you notice that all the apostles believed that prayer actually worked. So I would say we should as well. Listen to John himself a few pages before in 1 John, where he says this in 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked for him. Well, with that said, let us pray. Oh, merciful Father, you are so merciful to us. Thank you that you have sent Christ Jesus to bring the name that no other name stands before or above, but that by the name of Jesus Christ you save peoples, individuals, and you will save nations, ethnic groups, all the different people of the world. Thank you that your, though your name is exclusive, your call is not. And thank you that you are bringing us 
into one family, one spirit, one mind, one voice, so that we can come together, whether we are in Sioux City, Iowa, or in Uzbekistan, or anywhere in the world, wherever believers are gathered, you are in their midst. And their praise and their, their uniqueness to their, to their way of life honors you and gives you more glory. And God, we want to see the world worshiping you. We want to see the nations worshiping you and singing praises because you are the God who deserves all praise and all glory. Thank you that you've reminded us this morning from this text that that it, it is a good thing to care for the work of your name. And I pray, God, that you would not allow anyone to leave here feeling condemned or burdened by the the sending of missionaries because, God, you accomplish all things by the power of your great hand anyway. Acts 17 says that you are not served by human hands as though you need anything. So we get the privilege of giving, knowing that your plan will be accomplished. So instead, stir each of our hearts to the great joy that we sit under the powerful name of your Son, Christ Jesus. And that in his name, the nations are saved and we are stirred up to worship you. And we'll we'll start now and we'll continue on for eternity. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, would you please stand and join the worship team as we sing Sovereign Over Us. Thank you.